Hey, bub. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Snicked, The Wolverine Show. It's the best podcast there is at what it does, and what it does best is tell you about Wolverine. I'm your host, Ryan. Today's episode, we are in full swing in Lady Deathstrike Month. Last week, we covered Daredevil Volume 1, numbers 197 through 199. It was a storyline that had the first appearance of Yuriko Oyama, and it featured her backstory. This week, we are going to cover Alpha Flight Volume 1, numbers 33 and 34, the first appearance of Lady Deathstrike proper. So, Bub, only covering two issues today. This should make for a somewhat short episode. Uh, And like I mentioned at the top, this is the first introduction, the proper introduction of Lady Deathstrike. This is the storyline that features not her origin, but the origin of her motivations. This is the issue that establishes her as a Wolverine villain and why. As we saw in the last episode, her first appearance as just Eureka was a relatively, not necessarily good guy or even protagonistic, but not necessarily a straight up villain. You know, she had reasons for doing what she had done. There was love involved. There was honor, questions of honor involved as well. And it can't necessarily be argued that her father wasn't you know, just a straight up villain. He he was very much a villainous character. And the stand from her that we had seen against his, uh, his upbringing for her, uh, it kind of established her as almost like a sympathetic anti-hero. You know, obviously there's scenes with stuff that she was talking about with Daredevil, where she was saying, you know, killing these, these guys is fine as long as we don't kill the man that I love and, and stuff like that. Uh, And so you can see that there was at least a darkness to the character or at least an edge. I mean, there are other heroes, other protagonists in Marvel that do kill. I mean, this is a Wolverine podcast, so uh, we've already got one covered just in this podcast alone. But there are other characters like Punisher and stuff where heroic characters who are on the side of good and yet still take lives. So that doesn't necessarily mean that she was a villain and she was almost introduced as like a, a possible love interest or at least a, a, a fling for daredevil uh, that we saw in those three issues and where we left off and where we pick up with her in in these two issues there has been some stuff going on luckily she fills us in on all of that while she is having her showdown with wolverine and, and i'm looking forward to getting to that But she definitely goes through a type of transformation. Now, it's not the major transformation. She's still not quite the Lady Deathstrike that we all know and love. You know, the ultimate Wolverine hunting machine with the healing factor and cybernetic implants and, you know, long fingernails and stuff. She's not quite there yet. But this is the beginnings of her as a villain 
especially as a Wolverine villain. So if you're interested in seeing about how she becomes the cybernetic stalker Lady Deathstrike, go check out a past episode of Talkin' Snick, episode number 46, actually, where I covered Uncanny X-Men 205, the Wounded Wolf storyline. That is the storyline that where we see Yuriko in the body shop becoming that cyborg, you know, the, the cybernetically enhanced Lady Deathstrike that we all know and love. And it's just such a wonderful story. Chris Claremont, Barry Windsor Smith, both at the top of their game, gave us just a really great one and done storyline for Wolverine. And of course, revamped this character who we are about to be reintroduced to so Alpha Flight Volume 1, Issues 33 and 34, it's a two-part storyline that focuses primarily on the Alpha Flight member Guardian, but not the Guardian that we have known so far. This is not James McDonald Hudson. Spoiler alert for anyone reading Volume 1 of Alpha Flight, if you've not yet gotten to Issue 28, then maybe skip this episode because it will definitely spoil what's going to happen between issues 28 and these two that we're talking about today. So again, spoiler alert, and we, these issues take place, they follow Heather Hudson, the widow of former guardian James McDonald Hudson, former leader of Alpha Flight. He died in issue 28 of volume one, I believe. I, I may have my numbers wrong, so I'm sorry if it was much earlier than that. Uh, and Or, you know, if it was like issue 21, and I'm like, spoiler alert, if you haven't gotten to 28 yet, but you're only on number 20. Either way, Mac has died, and Heather has inherited his mantle. She has taken up the Guardian mantle, as well as leadership of Alpha Flight. She is wearing Mac's suit that gives her the power of flight and the power of uh it pretty much like puts her in sync with the earth's electromagnetic pulse i mean i'm not quite sure exactly how the suit works but in these two issues there's a whole lot of electromagnetic talk they like to throw that term out all over the place but it seems that it like taps into the earth's electromagnetic field directly. And that's why you're pretty much, you know, impervious when you wear this suit, you can fly, you can shoot beams. I think max suit at one point even turned away Wolverine's claws. Like Wolverine went to slash Mac and the suit itself was like, Nope, like magnetically pushed the claws away so it wasn't a, a fatal slice or anything like that. So the suit is is pretty powerful. Um, obviously, it's not on par with like Iron Man's suit, um, even like B-team Iron Man that you actually have in the comics versus, you know, godlike Iron Man in the, in the MCU. Uh, but it's still a very, very strong suit. And whoever is wearing the suit is, you know, they they are in possession of a lot of power. So before we jump into the story proper, let me at least go through the credits. Issues 33 and 34 featured writing from Bill Mantlo, artwork from Sal Bushema, inks from it's Gary or Jerry. It's with a it's with a G. So I'm I'm inclined to to 
pronounce it as a hard G as Gary, but I don't know. Uh, Gary Taleok, Bob Sharon on colors. And then for issue 33, we have Jim Novak on letters. And for issue 34, we have Janice Chang on letters. So this Alpha Flight was created by Chris Claremont and John Byrne, mostly John Byrne. The, the characters first appeared in the pages of X-Men. And then I believe there was even like an X-Men Alpha Flight crossover. And they were finally given their own ongoing series. And the first, I think like 12 issues, give or take, uh, were were written and drawn by John Byrne. But as you can see, here we are already on issue 33 and he's off the book. So I don't know. Uh, I'm not super familiar with Alpha Flight Volume 1 as far as how many issues it was. It was like 200 issues, 230 or something like, or maybe 130. It it lasted, but not super long. It was, it came back in like the late 90s for a second volume. But the first volume is is beloved by a lot of like hardcore Alpha Flight fans. And I I don't understand why. And it's not that it's a bad book or anything. The characters are are all somewhat interesting, although most of them are a bit formulaic. Like you have the speedster, but he's arrogant. And you have his sister who's like smoking hot, but super insecure. And so she has like really bad taste in men. Uh, you got someone like Sasquatch, who's a brilliant scientist in the body of a beast. You know, there, there's a lot of cliche type characters but then you have really interesting and new characters that come into the book later on characters like puck who you don't see in the early crossovers and and times where alpha flights featured in the x-men books because he was actually originally a member of beta flight and so he didn't really come into play until the alpha flight ongoing series where he was called in to become a new member same thing with marina she's somewhat interesting like i would still say that the most interesting members of this team are Snowbird and Shaman. And those characters don't really feature very prominently in these two issues. By this point in the book, there were some roster uh, turnover. You lose characters like Marina and you lose characters like Mac. And instead you bring in Box and you bring in Heather. And it's, it's different but it it is what it is. All right, so this story, it starts off with Heather in the Guardian suit flying across the, well, above the Canadian countryside, and she's heading somewhere. She doesn't tell us where yet. We do eventually find out about halfway through the book, but she's just kind of going through the fact that she has this suit now. Her husband is dead. She has assumed leadership of Alpha Flight, but she doesn't know quite how to use the suit. She doesn't know how to be a hero yet. At least in her mind, she doesn't know how to be a hero. What she means is she doesn't know how to utilize the power. Uh, she's already very much a, her- a hero and a heroic character, being you know the co-leader of Alpha Flight pretty much since the beginning. She's the one that even called them all together. The whole premise of the Alpha Flight ongoing was that Department H canceled the alpha flight program and they're like yeah it turns out we don't need alpha flight and then of course like this monster thing attacks and so heather calls them all back together and everything and so alpha flight reestablishes 
itself and and the fact that Canada needs them to to protect it sometimes and all that. So she's been around since the beginning. She's already a hero in her own right, but she doesn't see herself that way. She believes that to properly become a hero, she needs training and understanding on how to use these powers that the suit grants her. And it's she's not necessarily wrong. I mean, you can't just put on a suit and go out and do whatever. You, you kind of have to know what you're doing, uh, but she's underestimating herself. She's not seeing it quite the right way. And I think by the end of these two issues, you'll see that she is able to go through that transformation and finally see herself the way that she needs to see herself, which is that she's already a hero. She's already, she already has that, that part down. And you're probably asking like, what does that have to do with Lady Deathstrike? Well, you'll see. So she's flying through Canada. The rest of Alpha Flight is like, oh man, where'd she go? Uh, but before that, they they do some groundwork because they're telling some other stories as well. And uh, we get like a couple of pages for a Marina story that's going on. We get another page or two for a Snowbird storyline that's going on. Neither of those really come into play in this particular story, but you know, it's an ongoing series that has its own characters. So it's establishing other storylines, but we don't have to get into it. Mostly what we need to know is that the rest of alpha flight that is hanging out in the headquarters, you know, the, the members, the people that are members of the team right now, it's Heather is in charge. And then you have Madison Jeffries, you have box, you have North star, you have Aurora, and you have Puck, and those are like the people who are on the active roster right now. Shaman's off doing his thing, Snowbird's doing her thing, Marina's doing her thing, Mac is gone. So this is the team right now. They're all kind of sitting around going like, hey, where'd Heather go? Uh, and Puck kind of comes to the realization that he was asked by Heather to train her, and he refused, as well as you know everyone else on the team refused to help her. But Puck's kind of realizing that they all had selfish reasons for not helping her, or at least they didn't necessarily have her. They think they were protecting her, but what they don't realize is she's going to go out and be a hero anyway. So she needs the training. And Puck kind of comes to that realization. He, he realizes that if, if Alpha Flight can't give her what she needs, she will turn elsewhere. And he's the first one that kind of realizes oh, if we're not going to give her what she needs here, then she might turn to another superhero friend that she has, Wolverine, down in the U.S. And so then we cut back to Heather flying across, and now she's crossed over the border, and she's kind of flying over the Hudson River, approaching the X-Mansion, the Xavier Mansion. And she arrives just as the X-Men are leaving to go to the opera. And this is when like Magneto was the headmaster for the new mutants and Xavier was in space and Cyclops had left the team. I don't know at this point, cause I'm not sure when these issues came out like 84, 83 or 84. So I'm not sure if like X factor had started up quite yet, but right now the roster of the X-Men is storm Colossus, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Kitty, Rogue, and Rachel. So they're all like preparing to leave. They're all outside. They're walking to their car because they're going to go take in an opera when they notice someone is approaching from the sky. And naturally the X-Men are like, oh, well, the only people that fly at the mansion from the sky generally are bad guys. 
So Magneto pretty much reacts instinctively, shifting some magnetic stuff and just knocking Heather out of the sky. Wolverine at this point, like loses it. He attacks Magneto. Who's like, dude, calm down. She was attacking us first. Uh, Luckily, Nightcrawler kind of keyed onto the fact that Wolverine was shouting like, don't hurt her. And he was like, oh, he's talking about a woman. She must not be an enemy. So like Nightcrawler teleports up to the sky. He goes to grab Heather and he actually gets like electromagnetic feedback shock. So he ends up falling back to the earth, like super injured, not super injured, but like very much in pain, temporary pain, but like in pain nonetheless. So Rogue flies up and grabs Heather, who's like passed out because of whatever it was that Magneto had done. And she flies her back down to the ground and passes her off to Wolverine. And Wolverine's like, look, this is Heather. This is like one of my closest, most personal friends. Like, do not lay a finger on her again or I'll attack any one of you. And so the X-Men are like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Like, you know, Magneto's like, yeah, I'm sorry, my bad. And the rest of the X-Men are like, all right, well, we don't have time to help out like falling from the sky Canadians. So we're going to head out to the opera. But you know what, Wolverine, like you seem that you have it under control. We're not going to hold it against you if you choose to stay, uh, you know, and and look after your friend. And so he he does just that. He he takes. Uh, he takes Heather like inside to to care for her. And the rest of the X-Men hop in their, I think their Rolls Royce or whatever it is, and head off to the opera. And we finally get to our introduction to Lady Deathstrike. And all you see is like off the coast of New York somewhere, clearly off the the coast of upstate New York, uh, if that's even a thing. There is what appears to be like some sort of like a private yacht type boat. I'm not a boat guy, so I don't know what kind of boat this is, but it's bigger than a speedboat. Um, so it's got to be something along those. Although it doesn't necessarily look like. Yeah, no, I'm not a boat guy, so I'm not even going to guess. It's it's a fairly large ship, probably a ship that can hold like 40, 50 people anyway. And on this boat is like what appears to be like these Japanese naval guys. And they're just kind of looking around and they're saying things like the signals getting stronger and our target is in sight and all that. And then the captain like looks to the side and we're introduced to a woman calling herself lady death strike. And she's wearing like red and blue kind of samurai armor. Her outfit looks very similar to what lady death strike wears from here on out. Although it's not nearly as revealing, like it's actually a very functional and pragmatic type of armor and suit and everything. It's got, uh, you know, cloth in the arms so you can move your arms, but then like the longer parts of your legs and your shoulders and your chest are covered in this armor type stuff. And then she's wearing a helmet that covers not just her dome, but like the stuff that uh, comes off of it and kind of hangs down. So it covers like her neck and everything. Like it looks like traditional kind of samurai looking armor and she's just wearing it. And she is saying, something like uh, the the members of the crew are like kind of questioning the orders. And this is where she comes in and she just tells them like, you know, it's best not to question the plans of lady death strike because I'm rad. And then the scene changes. So it's just a very quick introduction, but at least we get like a good panel and we get to see her standing there in like a silhouette and everything. So 
looks pretty good. It's it's the the coloring is very basic in this comic, and her her scheme is just like solid blue and solid yellow, and it's like Dodger blue and Red Sox red. It, it's it's did I say blue and yellow? I mean blue and red. Anyway, there you go. So it's, it's like bright colors and like solid from from head to toe and all that. But eh, whatever. So now we have Logan in a car and he's driving around with like Heather passed out in the passenger seat and like the sun has set now the moon's in the sky and she finally comes to and we realize that he's just like driving around the xavier grounds which apparently are huge because they have their own like mountain road that is also like on a coastal cliff side it's pretty nice uh, but he's driving around and so heather wakes up and she tells wolverine like i you know i i came here looking for you because mac died and now i have his power but no one on Alpha Flight will teach me how to use it. And I, you know, I, I, I came to you. Will you teach me? And Wolverine just tells her, like, you're nuts. And then he, like, screeches the car to a halt. Heather gets out and she's all mad at him, like, I knew you wouldn't understand and all this. And Wolverine's like, no, 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 no. I didn't say I didn't understand. And I didn't say I wouldn't train you. I will. I'm just telling you you're not. I was just commenting on the fact that you're crazy. Like if you want to be a superhero, you're nuts. But like I'm I would rather train you because if I don't train you, you're still going to just go do it anyway and then you will get hurt. Whereas if I help teach you how to harness your power and use those powers, then I know that you'll be able to take care of yourself and you'll be fine. So they're talking and, and, and Heather's shocked that he actually came around as quickly as he did and that she had misunderstood him. And he's like, no, 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 don't get me wrong. Like I, I owe it, the very least I owe it to you. Like you helped me way back when the least I can do is help you now when you need it. And it's cool because then the scene changes and we actually get like a bunch of backstory and this time from like Wolverine's point of view directly and this is the backstory that we've seen before in in various comics where like heather and and mac are the ones that discover logan in the canadian countryside it was actually covered a few episodes back in uh, on my saturday morning snicktoons i had brett scott from marvel plus go listen to his stuff by the way if you've been enjoying the moon knight series because now that the disney plus marvel shows are back so is marvel plus Brett Scott has not missed a beat. He's already been back with two episodes. So go check them out back to the story. So we actually covered in the repo man episode of X-Men, the animated series, a few episodes back on Saturday morning, Snicktoons, And it also briefly touched upon this point in Wolverine's history. So we actually get to see a couple of pages of Heather and Mac, like snowshoeing through there. It's actually their honeymoon and it's a hunting trip. And I don't know if like they're hunting moose or bear, but they've, they've got like these big old shotguns and everything. So I, I imagine it's like big game hunting or I don't know. I guess you use one of those if you're like duck or goose hunting just because it's, you know, they're far away and they're in the air. So you kind of have to, you know, go for what quantity over quality, you know? Um, but I'm, I'm also not, I'm not a boat guy and I'm not a hunter. So I'm not, uh, I don't want to speculate too much because then my ignorance will show anyway, they're out there, they're on their hunting trip. And while they're out in the wilderness, like Wolverine 
this wild version of Wolverine who's pretty much naked except like a, a Tarzan style loincloth. Uh, he gets their scent and he's like, all right, sweet, it's dinner time. So he attacks them. Mac shoots him like once point blank with the shotgun, but then he's able to knock Mac down and then Heather picks it up and shoots him again. Um, and then they realize like they've shot him, they've knocked him out, but like he he's not even bleeding anymore. Like he's already healed from all these injuries and stuff. So they manage to take him back to their cabin. And at that point, Mac's like, all right, well, we're kind of like far away and this dude needs medical attention. At the very least, I need to tell Department H that there's this weird wild man who can heal from gunshots uh, in the wilderness. And so, you know, Department H needs to be brought in on this as well. So he throws on some like cross country skis and, and leaves Heather in the cabin with this wild man and goes to like head towards the nearest town to radio for help and also to inform department H of what's going on. And while he's gone, you know, the day becomes the night and all that. And Heather takes care of Wolverine. You know, she, he's got a fever, so he's all sweaty. So she's kind of like washing him down, you know, wiping his head and all that. At some point she goes to look outside and realizes that like a blizzard had rolled in and stuff. And that Mac is probably, not going to be back anytime soon. Eventually Wolverine regains consciousness and Heather notices, you know, she notices that he's awake and that he's just kind of laying. They haven't strapped down to the beds. He's not just like chilling in the chair or anything. So she's like sitting at the table. She realizes that Wolverine is awake. And so she's like confronting him. Like who, who the heck are you? You wild person. Like, why did you attack my husband and I, I'm supposed to be on my honeymoon. I'm supposed to be in my husband's arms right now. I'm not just sitting here at the table worrying sick about where he is babysitting some weird wild naked man who's chained down to the bed while strapped down to the bed and everything. And so as Wolverine gets, or as Heather gets closer and she gets like, the more she's yelling at him, she's getting like angrier and angrier. So she gets closer, but Logan is able to like free his hand and he kind of reaches towards Heather And then as he's doing that, his claws pop, you know, first in his left hand and then in his right hand. And and he doesn't know what's going on. It's like the first time that he's seen his claws. He's freaking out, yelling, no, Vader style and everything. He drops to the ground and kind of like passes out and everything. And it's in that moment that, that Heather realizes that whatever's going on with this wild dude, it was done to him. And like it, she her rage quickly subsides and she's awash with pity for this this you know poor creature then she kind of realizes like oh man this is a man who's been experimented on somehow like somehow someone gave him metal claws that pop out of his hands and and he's you know this uh this broken animal man type thing and so wolverine's like reminiscing all this he's like do you remember that heather like from that moment on, like you helped me regain my humanity. Like the reason why I'm in control now is because of that first moment of kindness that you showed me that help that you gave me, not just throughout all the years, but in that one moment when I needed someone the most. And he tells her like, I owe you ever since, ever since that I owe you. And so she starts asking like, well, why did you leave alpha flight and department H and all that? And he's like, 
you know, I was in love with you. You know, like, did you not know that? Like I was in love with you and Mac was my best friend. And, but you and Mac were married. Like I can't, I wasn't going to stay there. And then I got my, uh, my offer to leave. And so I came here either way. <laughs> It's fun. There's a little bit of melodrama. Some other things go on and then Heather gets mad again and stuff. And she's like pretty much telling Wolverine, like, I'm the leader of Alpha Flight, dang it. And no one respects me and all that. And she's like, I just want to be taught. And Wolverine's like, why do you think we're out here in the wood? Like, why do you think I stopped the car and told you I was going to help you? Like, I'm going to help you. So he takes off of he, he takes off his like um, his uh, opera attire because he's wearing like business casual, you know, like a khaki suit type thing. And so he takes that off and underneath he's got his Wolverine stuff on. And so he pulls on his mask and everything. And he's like, all right, Heather, let's, uh, let's get started. And Heather's like, good. I'm so glad that someone will, will finally help me, you know, make me a hero. And Wolverine's like, Oh crap. Like it's, you're going to have to learn on the job. Like you're going to have to learn as we go because we're surrounded by like these weird samurai ninja guys and that's it. Like that's alpha flight issue 33. So we get like some really good Wolverine content in there uh, in the pages of alpha flight, which isn't necessarily surprising considering the characters ties to, to Heather and, and of course all of the rest of alpha flight. And then we also have the, like the brief introduction of Lady Deathstrike. So I think we can jump into number 34. So at the top, I, I was saying this would probably be a short episode because we're only covering two issues and the first issue didn't even have that much Lady Deathstrike in it. And then yet here we are, we're only halfway through the issues, you know, the allotted issues and we're already a half hour <laughs> into the episode. So yeah, it looks like this one is probably actually going to be the normal, you know, one hour long episodes, uh, especially because issue 34 has a lot more lady death strike. Like this is the one as we saw at the end of 33 Wolverine and guardian Wolverine and Heather, they are surrounded by lady death strike and all these like samurai ninja looking guys. And 34 starts, it's called honor. And, and you'll see why, because we'll find out that uh, Lady Deathstrike's turn as a villain comes from a place of honor, at least in her mind. But before we check in, it doesn't necessarily pick up right where it leaves off. It does pick up where it left off for Puck. So last time we saw Puck, he realized that if Alpha Flight, including himself, weren't going to teach Heather that she would seek out Wolverine. So he's in one of their little alpha flight jets that are called Omni ships. And he is heading towards New York. He's heading towards, you know, X-Men headquarters because he figures that's where Heather would be. And he's actually like on the phone with the rest of the alpha flight team who are still back at their headquarters, which is a mansion on Tamarind Island off the coast of British Columbia. So for those of you who are not up to speed on Canadian geography, British Columbia is the province farthest to the west. It's above Washington State. It's that province. And of course, we know that New York is 
on the East Coast below the provinces of Ontario and Quebec. So he's got a long way to go in his Omni ship, but it seems like he's already pretty close. It seems like he's almost like already at least halfway there. And then we actually spend quite a bit of time with the rest of the Alphans at their headquarters. But again, none of that really ties into the Heather Wolverine Lady Deathstrike stuff. Uh, but it is interesting, you know, Snowbird makes her return. We see Box when he comes out of his, like, I don't know if he comes out of the suit or if his wheelchair turns into the suit and then it turns back into a wheelchair. I haven't read enough Alpha Flight to really know. Uh, we also check in with Shaman and all that stuff and, and his whole journey. He seems to be going through, like, a journey of self-rediscovery, uh, trying to, like, tap back into his shaman powers but again i'm not super up to speed on alpha flight and, and it doesn't really tie in so here we go we are now at the wolverine versus lady deathstrike stuff and there's actually a lot of uh like robert kirkman style dialogue here where even though they're like on opposing sides and it's obvious that they're gonna have a showdown they there's just like a lot of understanding and like top-notch communication. Like Wolverine says, lady, you just called me a thief, you know, and, and where I come from, those are fighting words. And, she, you know, and she's just like, yeah, you know, Hey, sometimes being labeled that hurts, but sometimes the truth hurts. And she's like, ultimately you are in possession of a power that you have misappropriated. You know, you don't have any claim to this power and it has to be returned. <laughs> I like they're just like explaining themselves clearly like it's it's obvious the path that we're going down but it's just very reasonable. Uh like you know which is why I say Robert I don't know if any of you have ever read The Walking Dead. I mean first of all I love that comic series and of course I I love the TV series as well. But like when you read the comics it's almost infuriating how like reasonable everybody is when they talk like no one interrupts anyone there's no like willful misunderstandings it's like the bad guy will arrive and he'll let the good guys say all the things that they need to say and then he'll start talking and the good guys will give him all the time that he needs to say everything that he's going to say and then back and forth and it's it's just like so reasonable and it's funny because in real life in those kind of situations like you know that people would be interrupting each other and they would be arguing and it would escalate quickly and there'd be yelling and, and cutting off of, of the, you know, one another and all that. But instead, when you read it, it's everyone's just patiently waits for the other person to finish their sentences and, and make their points before they, they make theirs. Anyway, this is kind of what's going on between Wolverine and, and lady Deathstrike here. And so at this point, Heather's like, Whoa, Hey, Wolverine, what language are you speaking? Because I don't understand. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm just speaking Japanese. No big deal. Like I, I can do that. So he, he continues his discussion with Lady Deathstrike. He says, okay, well, you know, you, you've called me a thief and said that I've misappropriated certain powers. Would you care to, uh, you know, identify yourself and explain what you mean by those accusations? That, like, <laughs> so she says, like, well, certainly, uh, I'm not quoting. These are not direct quotes, but like this, this is, I'm summarizing here. I'm 
in my, you know, this is in my own words, what's happening. Uh, but she's like, yes, you know, my lady death, my name is, is lady death strike. And I've come to avenge the honor of my father and my clan. Okay. That that part was a direct quote. And so Wolverine's like, um, okay. And neither of none of what you said means anything to me, but you seem to know who I am, like what gives. And she's like, Oh, well, you know, I only know of you by reputation. Um, but I know that you are one of the X-Men named Wolverine. You know, you're, you're an outlaw pretty much. You're a, a mutant superhero. And, you know, I also happen to know that you're betrothed to uh, Lady Mariko of, of Clan Yoshida and all that stuff, too. <laughs> and Wolverine's like, well, gee whiz, it seems like you know quite a bit about me. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, I, I do, I do. Um, and, and Wolverine's like, okay, well, you obviously also know about Clan Yoshida and how powerful they are. So, like, does attacking me, does that really seem like something you want to do if you know that they're my allies? And... And again, she's like, yeah, because like, I know that they're a more powerful enemy, but it's, it's a matter of honor. Like I know that short of the power of the emperor himself, clan Yoshida is the most powerful family in Japan. She's like, I get it, but you know, I, I'm of my clan and I have to avenge the honor of, of my father and, and his legacy. That's just that tradition dictates like, that's how I, I have to go about it. <laughs> and like all the while they're having this like very reasonable talk but they're getting closer and closer and like wolverine's got his claws popped and lady death strikes got her sword like right in wolverine's face and everything <laughs> it's like and heather's watching from the outside like yeah the, i don't know what they're saying they're saying it all very respectfully but they're about to like have a duel to the death uh so so she so heather like reaches out to lady Deathstrike, and she's like what or sorry not lady Deathstrike. She, she asked wolverine like have you figured out what she wants yet you guys have been doing an awful lot of jawing at one another and uh wolverine's like yeah you know I, I, we're getting there uh but then lady Deathstrike's, uh, she's like okay i can i can speak english so i'll just speak in english so that you know everybody present will will understand what's going on i don't want to leave this woman out of the loop, you know, it's obviously that uh, she should probably know what's going on as well. Just again, like everyone's so reasonable. I love it. Uh, so pretty much what she says is that her father had created a process of bonding metal to human bones. And that should sound familiar because that's exactly what happened to Wolverine. He had adamantium bonded to his entire skeleton. And of course, we also saw last week in the pages of the Daredevil story arc that her father did that with Bullseye. Although in, in those three issues, it was more implied that he just replaced the, the bones with metal ones. But then I think like there was a throwaway line at the very end where He's like, yeah, we put the metal on your bones and fixed them. So I think. So there you go. So at this point, Lady Deathstrike's like, and because that was my father's legacy, you know, that was what he discovered and that was what he created. Like you didn't have his permission when you got this, this metal on your bones. And so I kind of have to reclaim your skeleton in the name of honor. <laughs> And so Wolverine's like, oh, okay, so yeah, this is a, this is going to be a battle to the death after all. 
And Lady Deathstrike's like, oh, you understand? Well, that's fine because I'm still elaborating. So then we get, and I, you know, obviously this is for the sake of the readers who don't know who this lady is or what's going on because they read Alpha Flight and not Daredevil. And so they wouldn't know what's happening. But still, it's like, it's funny because it's it's played off like she's telling Wolverine all of this, even though they've already come to the understanding that she wants Wolverine's skeleton and he obviously doesn't want her to have it. <laughs> but, you know, we got to get that backstory in here. So we find out, you know, she, she does this whole thing where my father was a kamikaze pilot who survived and it brought like this great dishonor on him. And so he, as a means to get his honor back, he became like a criminal, but also a scientist. And he created this, this process that was used to save bullseye. And like your American hero daredevil came to Japan and helped. And like with his help, I was able to slay my father and, uh, bring, like save my beloved, a man named Kira. She goes, but I didn't realize, you know, how loyal all of these guys were to my father. And I, I, I realized that, you know, maybe my father wasn't such a bad guy after all. If, if all of these samurai ended up, you know, offing themselves when, when my father died, then, you know, something was going on there. Like, so I looked further into it and I realized Yes, you know, my father was, in fact, a very honorable man. And I came to realize that I actually agreed with his plans for Japan. And so I've rebuilt this clan, Clan Oyama. I've, I've rebuilt it. And I, my mission is to carry out his mission, you know, which is weird because it's like she just last time we saw her, she killed her father and then her husband, not her husband, but the man that she loved because he failed her father who was now dead, he had to uh, do that to himself. And so she ended up losing everything anyway. Uh, but she realized, yes, that like she agreed with, with his, with his goal, you know, with his mission. And so as she's explaining all of this to Wolverine in, in English now, Heather starts remembering some stuff and was like, Oh my gosh, I remember one time I was hugging Mac she's not saying this stuff out loud. This is all like her internal thoughts. And, but she's thinking like, Oh my gosh, one time I came into the lab and I was hugging Mac and I noticed there was a file down there that said, you know, adamantium bonding to human skeleton translated from Japanese. And she, and Heather's like almost getting mad at, at Mac. And she's like, Oh my gosh, this was his whole plan. Like my husband is the one who stole this woman's father's research and then used it against his will on Wolverine, you know, or used it on Wolverine against his will and all this. And she's thinking like, Oh my gosh, Mac is such a bad guy. And then she starts thinking like, Oh man, is, did Mac even know that he was like, he, when we first met Wolverine, he already had the medal. Like did, did we go there on our honeymoon so that Mac could hunt this guy down and bring him back? Is that why he was so pushy about telling department H that there's wild man was in the woods? Like, did Mac know about this all along? And I think in short, the answer is yes. And eventually we learn a lot more about that and the whole Hudson and McDonald family and their ties to a lot of Wolverine's past because of one of the members of the family who worked very closely with Romulus. It's a whole big thing and it doesn't really tie into this particular issue, but 
this is the issue that like plants that question that it's eventually answered. Like, yes, the Hudson's and McDonald's were very much involved in Wolverine's life from very early on. So yeah, Mac was probably there specifically to capture, you know, recapture Wolverine and get him back. But anyway, all of this is finally out in the open between uh, Yuriko and Wolverine. And so the battle finally begins. So Heather's like just blasting all of the samurai, just pretty much taking them all out like in one hit. And then Wolverine jumps into the battle as well. Lady Deathstrike's like, I can hang back and kind of watch how this all plays out. So then we have like Wolverine and Heather both taking out all these various samurai dudes. Eventually they kind of like retreat further on into the woods because they realize like, yeah, we can take these guys out, but there's a lot of them. Maybe we can just run away instead. Eventually, <laughs> it's funny too. Like eventually as the battle's going on, Heather does something and like mentions the fact that now she feels, or no, that she has to vindicate Mac's past mistakes. And that's when she comes up with the name like, ooh, Vindicator, you know, Mac changed his name to Vindicator after a while. And she's like, so I'll take that name on as well. But, you know, obviously for a different reason, like I have to, to vindicate his past actions. So there you go. Like another first appearance, first appearance of Heather as Vindicator. Cause up until this point she was calling herself guardian. <laughs> so just, just a fun little thing. Um, eventually all of these goons are like taken out. And the fight is just between Lady Deathstrike and Wolverine. And at first, Wolverine's telling her, like, your sword's not going to be able to do anything. Like, I have an adamantium skeleton and I have these claws. I could just slice your blade. Then you've got no weapons. So, like, should we just call it a truce and you'll leave me alone? But no, she says, like, no, I can put, like, an electromagnetic... Uh, field into the sword pretty much she can turn her sword into a sword similar to silver samurai sword and it can cut through anything including a giant tree in one swipe so wolverine's like oh crud like yeesh like i don't know in the meantime like puck himself has finally arrived in new york remember at the very beginning of the issue puck was in the omni ship flying from british columbia canada all the way to upstate new york well he finally arrived so super fast ship here by the way but he arrives and as he's kind of like approaching he he spies from the plane thing wolverine and lady deathstrike and puck's like oh crap like i didn't even realize that I'm so close to the ground. And he like flies the Omni ship right through their battle. He actually flies it right into Wolverine's back and knocks him down. And then as he's flying past Lady Deathstrike, she just slices the whole ship and the ship crashes. Luckily, Puck is super awesome and he's able to just like jump out just in time and isn't hurt or anything but by that point heather is like rejoined the battle and kind of realizes like oh this lady deathstrike chick she's she's serious like she's gonna take that skeleton back one way or another so she flies into her knocks her flying into a tree and lady deathstrike's like you really think you can take 
on my sword and <laughs> heather's like uh yeah like this suit withstood a claw slash from wolverine once like i think i can handle a little teeny sword and so lady deathstrike runs up and she swings her sword at heather and it hits heather and shatters the sword shatters and you know wolverine and puck are like oh my gosh how could you do that and she's like dude it's the suit like i've I finally figured out how to tap into all the powers of the suit into this battle. And now I'm also, you know, I'm no longer guardian and I'm no longer Heather. Like I'm the vindicator now. And, uh, you know, Wolverine and Puck are like thoroughly impressed here. And before that whole storyline resolves, we check in with Marina and everything that was going on there. And the issue ends. <laughs> so like, that's pretty much it. Like we don't know how lady Deathstrike escapes all we know is that her sword shattered. Heather is now Vindicator. Wolverine and Puck, super impressed by the whole thing. Uh, but there you have it. That is uh, issues 33 and 34 of Alpha Flight, the first appearance of the proper Lady Deathstrike. It's the issue that defined her motivations. And we see the beginning of her hatred for Wolverine in this issue so it's super important to the character of lady deathstrike kind of weird that it's like in the pages of alpha flight because of a guest appearance of wolverine but i mean where else are you gonna tell that story So, Bub, that will do it for today's episode. Hope you enjoyed those issues and that you will tune in next week to continue Lady Deathstrike Month. Now, I'm not sure exactly what storyline I'm covering for next week. I know which one I'm going to cover in two weeks for the month finale, uh, but this next week I have like two or three different stories that I'm considering throwing in here, and they're all important for different reasons but they will feature you know regular lady deathstrike as you know her so in between this week and next week after you finish this episode if you're so inclined go back and listen to episode 46 of talk and snicked for that wounded wolf coverage that is going to walk you through how yuriko oyama goes from a sword wielding human lady deathstrike to the cybernetically enhanced you know, cyborg Wolverine hunting machine that uh, that is Lady Deathstrike. So, Bubs, if you like the show and want to keep the conversation going, you can reach out to me on Instagram at TalkinSnicked, or you could reach out to me via email, TalkSnicked at gmail.com. And one more thing. Make sure you check out the episode description, the show notes, if you will, for the Discord server link. I've got uh, a couple new people signed up who I think are uh, listeners of the show. So it's just a place to get together, chat about Wolverine, chat about the X-Men, just have a fun time, share pictures of your collections or, or whatever give feedback on the show even like if you if you want to tell me how crappy i am of a host and how bad my show is hop on the discord server let me know and uh, i'll see what i can do about it 
One last thing, make sure you stay tuned to the very end of this episode and check out the track Back from the Dead. It is a piece of original music written and composed by Retcon X, a very talented musician who created a bunch of original art, no, a bunch of original music inspired by the X-Men. And if you like it, then stop by either his YouTube channel or his Spotify playlist. Until next time, bub.